found it interesting this morning that 
without having talked about it, Greg and I chose the exact same topic and the exact same scripture to use for our messages this morning. In fact, had I known you were doing that, I would have just let you do it. So, you know, you might as well just share it twice. He did a fine job, by the way, in your message this morning. Um, I mean, I guess it is kind of natural that we would talk about freedom on July 4th weekend. I've heard that word several dozen times over the last few days. We talk about the freedom we have as Americans. We talk about what it means to live free, to be free. And so that, that got a lot of thoughts running through my mind. What does it really mean to be free? Are you a free person? If I were to come down there with a microphone and ask each and every one of you, are you a free person, what would you say? If you asked me if I were a free man, I would say, no, I'm married. <laughs> now, but wait, think about it. Doesn't being married restrict freedom? I can no longer make decisions based on what I want, what I think, how I feel. I have to take another person's. I know I'm going to be in trouble for that. I'm trying my best to dig out of this hole. Uh, but I have to take another person's thoughts and concerns uh, into consideration. So my freedom is limited. If you ask me if I'm free, I'll say no, because I'm a father and a grandfather. When you have responsibility for children, does that not limit your freedom? <laughs> Amen. You, there are just certain things you can't do, places you can't go. The, uh, your freedom is limited when you have responsibility for children. If you ask me if I'm a free man, I'll say no, because I'm a pastor. And the same would apply to anyone who's employed. If you're an employee, does that not restrict your freedom? I mean, there's a certain amount of your time that is no longer your time. It's time that your employer uh, gets to control. If you ask me if I'm free, I'll say no because I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And in this country, we're a land of laws, rules, restrictions, prohibition. Yeah, tax is one of them. Um, aren't there a number of things that limit your freedom as a citizen of this country? Uh, I remember we, we took the kids down. Her folks were living in Florida in a, one of these senior communities. And they had this community pool. And... They only had certain hours that you could take children to the pool. The rest were for the, the people who lived there. And we would take the kids during the kids' hours. But as soon as we walked through the gate, and you know the kids are all ready just to go jump in that pool. It was a hot day. And one of the people that lived there pointed to this big four-by-eight sheet of plywood upon which were at least a dozen rules about what you may not do in this swimming pool. No jumping, no splashing, no cannonballing, no chicken fighting, no floating on inflatable devices, no blah, 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 blah. And the last one was have no fun. Well, it, not really. 
but that was what we concluded. They basically wanted children to swim like senior adults would swim, even though it was their time to swim. So, I mean, we are constantly facing restrictions to freedom. You know, when I was growing up, you know, how many of us, when we were kids, we couldn't wait to get older? Because when I get older, I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, and there is nobody to tell me what I have to do in my life. Wrong. <laughs> you know, I quickly learned this adult thing isn't so hot after all. I actually had much more freedom as a child <laughs> than I do now as an adult. So I guess the bottom line of all that is that freedom is somewhat of an illusion. We do enjoy a lot of freedoms, especially as Americans, but we are not truly free. And God's word says the same thing about our spiritual life. We're not free physically. We are not free spiritually. And that's which brings me to the scripture in John 8. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you read through God's word, you discover that we were actually created to be free. Free to be in relationship with the God who created us. Free to enjoy all the blessings of his love and grace. Free to live in a world that was free of conflict, free of sickness, suffering, pain, death. That's the world humanity came into. Adam and Eve had far more freedom than we ever will on this earth. But something happened. Even though they had all of this freedom and all of those blessings, it wasn't enough. There was something they did not have, and that was the knowledge of both good and evil. God was holding back on them. Now they would find out later that he held back for their own good. That there are some things we don't need to know and should not know. And, and an understanding of evil was one of those things that we did not need to know. But they insisted in disobeying God, rebelling against his will, stretching their freedom to the point that we are going to be free even from God and do what we want to do, regardless of what he said. And in that act of declaring their independence from God, the Bible says they and every 
generation after them have become slaves to sin. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? We celebrate July 4th. Our, our nation became free because we declared our independence from Great Britain. But the very thing that got our country freedom, declaring independence, is the very thing that enslaves us in our relationship to God. Declaring our independence from God was the first step of sin. The Apostle Paul uses a number of terms to describe our condition now. He talks about our sinful human nature. He says that we are in captivity to sin. We're in bondage to sin. We are slaves to sin. All words which speak of the loss of freedom. You know, Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is one of those things you can't just dabble in. Sin isn't one of those things you can do a little bit and then say, no, I don't like that. You know, I am a trier. I like to try things. Do you like to try things? You know, before I jump whole hog into something, I like to try it. Maybe I like that, maybe I don't. If somebody offers me food I've never had before, do I just say, fill me up? No. I'll say, can I have a bite? <laughs> and then if I like that bite, I'll say, here, trade me plates. You, you take this, I, w I want that. You can't try sin. You can't face temptations in your daily life and say, you know, I'd kind of like to try that. I'd like to try that. I'd like, and if I don't like it, I'll just, I'll just, that won't affect me anymore. Because every time we sin, we, we sink deeper. It's like trying to walk through a muddy field. At first, it's not too bad, and then you start picking up that mud, and your feet get heavier, and then I was doing that. Uh, we had a lot of muddy fields, didn't we, earlier? You ever get to one so bad that when you step and pull your foot out, your shoe stays down there? It's <laughs> what sin does. Okay, the sin's so bad, I, okay, it's a little harder than I thought it would be, but it's, uh-oh, <laughs> I lost a part of myself. That's what Jesus and Paul and everyone else that wrote about it means when they say you're slaves to sin. Once it takes hold of you, as it has taken hold of our human nature, it does not and will not let go willingly. Only way to be free from sin is if something intervenes on our behalf. You ever do one of these escape room things where, you know, you go somewhere and they lock a group of you in a room and there's all these clues and you've got one hour to figure out how to get out? And if you don't get out, you just stay there till you die. <laughs> That'd be an interesting business, wouldn't it? This is a true escape room. You don't get out, you die. That's just the way it is. It might motivate you to work a little harder. But no, if you don't get out, what happens? They come let you out. They set you free. 
And that's exactly what our scripture is saying that Jesus did for us. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, I want to really hone in on that. He's not saying if you casually read a few scriptures now and then. Or if you go to church on Sunday and listen to somebody talk about my word once in a while. If you grab your daily devotional and you read a verse or two and think, well, that, that's sufficient for me to gain a knowledge of God's word. Now, when he says, if you hold to my teaching, he's talking about something that you're going to listen to or, or read and you're going to think about it, you're going to seek to understand it, and most of all, you are going to try to apply it in your life. In other words, you want to turn knowledge into wisdom. See, that's the difference. Knowledge is learning stuff. Wisdom is knowing what do you do with the stuff that you learned, and how can you apply it in life so that it makes a difference. See, God wants us to move from knowledge to wisdom in terms of his word. It's kind of like school. Think back to your school days. I had some subjects in school I didn't care for. I didn't see why they were important. I didn't think that I would ever use this stuff again that they were having me learn. And so I wanted to get good grades so I would learn it and then promptly forget about it. You know, a week after a test, if you were to test me again, I'd have probably flunked it. Because I, I crammed all that knowledge in my head, I could whip those answers out on that test, I got my A, and then boom, dump the trash. It's like your computer, things you don't really need, where do you put them? In the recycle bin, in the trash. And you dump it. Then there were other classes that really captured my attention. Things I said, this is, is knowledge that I need to hold on to. This is something I can use throughout my life. This is something that can lead to even greater learning of something else. And so I did the same. I learned it. I, I tried to get the good grade. But then I held on to it. I made every effort to remember it, and I continued to compound that knowledge by learning even more about that subject. See, that's what, when Jesus says, hold to my teaching, that's what he's talking about. What is our approach to God's word? Do we treat it like a subject that we're vaguely interested in or not at all and we maybe learn a few things and then promptly forget? I keep wanting to do something, but I'm afraid to do it because I don't think I'm going to like how it comes out. Do you ever avoid doing something because you don't think it's going to end well? I thought about, like, next Sunday, I will be at the main doors. And I will catch you as you're coming into church and say, excuse me, I just have a couple of questions about last week's message. <laughs> and see how many of you can answer those questions. 
Now, I don't do it because I'm not sure it's going to come out well. And how often do we do that when we say, okay, I'm going I'm to sit down. I want to do some Bible reading today. I'm, I'm wanting to learn something from God's Word, and we read it. And boy, the next day, if I were to say, what, what scripture did you read yesterday? Uh, it was in the New Testament. <laughs> you know, we, we struggle to, and, and more importantly, if I were to ask you, what did that scripture say? Or what did you learn from it? Or what difference did it make that you read it? See, Jesus, see, you got to hold on to it. Don't let my word just slip in and out of your mind. Grab it. Hold on to it for all your worth. Jesus said it, if you hold on to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, what's this truth that sets us free? I, I think there are three parts to that. First, I think it's the truth about who we are. That we are slaves to sin. That our sinful human nature does control our lives without Christ. But that Jesus came to do something about that. Because God desires to have a relationship with us for all eternity. That's a truth worth holding on to. God made me. I blew it. But God loves me enough to do something about it, to take away the, the punishment of my sin so that I can be with him for all eternity. That is a truth worth holding on to. Second of all, it's the truth that our freedom in Christ is complete and permanent. There is nothing else you need in order to be free from your sin other than what Christ has done. People get real hung up on this because they think somehow, some way, I still have to do certain things to earn certain things to receive salvation. That Jesus did his part, okay, he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, he rose again, but now I have to do so much good works in order to add to that, in order to have enough. And you don't. What Jesus did is complete in and of itself. Receiving Christ as your Savior, truly believing in Him and accepting Him and seeking to follow Him is really the only thing you need in order to break free from sin. Now, does breaking, friend, breaking free from sin mean that you won't sin anymore? I haven't sinned since 1967 when I gave my life to Christ and was buried in the waters of baptism. How many of you believe that? Come on. Not even you. You know better than anyone, don't you? So what's the deal with that? I'm free from sin, so why in the world do I still do it? Well, Jesus provided a change of condition 
It said there in, in his word that, you know, slaves don't really belong to the family. If you have a servant or a slave, they may be part of your household, but they're not part of your family. They're not a blood relative. He said, and that's our condition. God created us to be his children, but because we gave our lives over to sin, we're just slaves and servants now. And what Jesus did was to come and restore us to the status of a son or a daughter of God. But you have to choose to live that way. When the prodigal son asked for his share of the inheritance and went off to live in freedom, he thought, did he lose his status as a son? Did his father stand there and go, well, you walk out that door, you're no longer a son of mine. No. In fact, he lamented the fact every single day that his son was gone and, and prayed every day that his son would return. His son's status was unchanged, but he chose to live as if he weren't a son. And what did he say when he came back? Or what did he start to say before his father interrupted him? Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me sleep out in the servant quarters and let me work like everybody else. And the father said, I won't hear of it. Bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the symbols of sonship. You are, have been, and always will be my son. The fact that you chose to live as if you weren't, did not change the fact that you are. That's Jesus' message to us. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But then you have to choose to live in that freedom each and every day of your life. And the third thing, I think the truth about our freedom is that it's not about changing our outward circumstances. How many times do we pray? And we say, Lord, if only I had a better relationship with this person. If only I had a better paying job. If only I could get that new house or that new car. If only my health were better. If only, if only, if only. If only something were different around me, I would be able to enjoy the freedom that you give me. My life would be better. But the freedom we have in Christ has nothing to do with any of those things. It has everything to do with our relationship with him. I can be in terrible health. I can be at death's door. But it doesn't change my relationship with Christ. I can lose my job tomorrow. I could be out on a street with no place to live. Doesn't change my relationship with God. Nothing going on out here affects what's going on in here. See, that's true freedom. If, if it were something that the circumstances of life could take away from me, it wouldn't be real freedom, would it? It would be conditional freedom. It would be temporary or superficial freedom. 
But when he says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, it means you are free to the extent that nothing in this world can change it. Ever. I love Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus our Lord? And he begins to name off things that reflect what's going on around us. And his final conclusion is nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, my friends, is freedom. That is true and absolute freedom. And that is what we have in Christ. And because that freedom is ours, I'm going to choose each day to live as a free man in Jesus. Or you can choose to live as a free woman in Jesus, a free teenager in Jesus, a free child in Jesus. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter where you are in life. All that matters is that you know the one who sets you free. Let us pray. God, I'm so grateful for true freedom. I'm, I'm grateful for the freedom of our nation to be an American, to live in a free land where we can gather on Sundays and worship you. But I know that I'm not truly free as an American. I am not truly free just because I live in this land. I'm free because I have a Savior who loved me, who died for me, who gives me a freedom that nothing in this world can match or take away. I pray that every day you would help us to live in your freedom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you are here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are free. All that stuff I just talked about applies to you. If you are here this morning and have never said yes to Jesus, maybe you've thought about it, but you've never actually made the decision, the conscious commitment to say, I believe and accept Christ as my Savior, then you are not free. You're living in the illusion of freedom. But Christ gives you the offer of freedom. During this time of invitation, uh, we're going to stand in a moment and sing a song. I'm going to ask you to come. Let me receive you. Let me pray for you. Let me ask you to share a confession of faith, which is simply a statement that says, I believe in Jesus. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism. We will initiate true freedom in Christ. Let's stand together. Hymn number 109, verses 1 and 2. And I invite you to come and receive Christ. Christ.